0: You'll join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to have the opportunity and privilege to worship you this morning. And we pray that you have received our worship as fragrant aroma unto your throne. I thank you, Father, for the great privilege to sing along these truths with our brothers and sisters in Christ, to lift our voices and our hearts up unto you. And Lord, I do pray today that you would give us a special sense of your incredible love in which you loved us. And I pray along with Paul as he prays for us that our hearts and our minds would be consumed with knowing you and that we would have the hope and the joy that when the day arrives and when our race is won, when our griefs give way to the deliverance, that we would be fully known. Mm. I pray, Father, that our groans will end as though new songs begin, and a multitude from every tribe and tongue wearing robes of white will stand before your throne. What a day. And I pray that our hearts will be so consumed by you that we will never cease to praise. Oh, Lord, lift our hearts and our minds to see that day that has been prepared for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, so today, since it is spring break, And I'd like to do something special this morning and start off our time in the Word. So I'd like to invite all the children down front to join me here at the table, okay? Children, come on. I know this is not something we typically do, but Lord gave this to me as an object lesson and He was fond of parables. So I'd like to be able to teach in this way as well. So children, why don't you come on down and just sit down right here, right in front. Come on here, sit right down here on the rug, sit right down there on the tile. It's good to see you guys. I'm so glad that you're here. Very, very good. All right. Now, I want you guys to help me out. And I'm going to be calling on you in just a second to be able to answer some questions. All right? Now, can you guys tell me what this is? A sponge. Now, what do you use this for? Cleaning. Cleaning. All right. How many of you have ever used this to clean? Oh, come on. Seriously? Really? No? Have you used this before? Probably not? Probably not? Maybe one time? Okay. Here, what's what I want you to do? I want you to envision with me that your life is like this sponge. Okay? I want you to think your life is like this sponge. And I want you to think about the prayer that Paul just prayed for us to be filled with all the fullness of God, okay? So I'm going to have several of you volunteers. I need the first volunteer to come on up. Yes, sir, come on. And I want you to, us to be able to reflect on this verse, okay? This is Ephesians 3 that Don just read us. We're going to begin in verse 14. And that first one is 14 and 15. So I want you to read that for me. I bow to my knees before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Amen. Somebody else? Come on, Matthias. Verse 16, okay? Verse 16. This is dangerous, giving him the microphone. Go ahead. (laughs) That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through a spirit in your inner being. Great job, buddy. All right, somebody else. Number seventeen. Mike, you're gonna come. Verse seventeen. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love. Excellent. All right. Verse eighteen. Got anybody over here? You want to come and read? Verse eighteen. May I have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height height and depth. Okay, how about a girl? What young lady Yes, Come on. Let's read that one Verse 19. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses. No, surpasses no knowledge. Very good. All right, another girl. Who wants to come? Come on, come on. Really loud. Yeah, that bold one right there. loud. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. All right, let's say that all together. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God, okay? Now, what Paul is praying for, he is praying for that we would come to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. And he wants us, like these sponges, to absorb ourselves with Jesus. And that's why you come here to church. You come here to church to be able to hear the word of God preached and taught. And what happens supernaturally is God is extending his grace to us. And as he does so, he does something wonderful. Now, I want you to be able to look at this. I want somebody to come up here and stand up here. I want you to see what's inside this bucket. Yes, Grace, come on. What's inside this bucket right here? what's inside there and what else and water water Water. do you remember any place where jesus told us that he was like living water you guys remember that remember that story yes what do you remember naomi yes the woman at the well exactly and he looked at her and he said ma'am i've got water and if you have my water you will never thirst again right thank you so much when I think about that, I think about Jesus being the living water to us. And one of the most important things that you can do is to saturate yourself with the Word of God. Now, Jesus, you guys see whose name on that bucket? Who is it? Yeah. Jesus. That's to represent Jesus in the living water. And this first bucket, somebody tell me who this is. Family. You guys read, read, say it out loud. Family. 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 Did you know Jesus wants to use you to saturate himself, and he wants you to be so full of his spirit and his love that you take it back and you influence your family, right? And next thing you know, what's the next one say? Body of Christ. The body of Christ. Did you know, guys, that we all have the commission of God for us as believers to understand how important our brothers and sisters in Christ are? And it is our responsibility, look at me right here, to be able to fill ourselves with the love of God and then to be able to help our brothers and sisters in Christ. Actually, in this book, Ephesians, that we're looking at today, it tells us the importance that we have to speak to one another in truth and love to grow up into all aspects of Christ. That is the responsibility that you and I have as believers. And if we're full of His Spirit, then we can do that. And then, what's this last bucket right here? What is it? The lost. Do you realize, guys... It is our responsibility to be able to take this love, this glorious gospel, and to so saturate ourselves that we feel the lost, right? So what I want you to be able to see is I want you guys to visualize this sponge as your life. And as you have been soaking up the Word of God, God wants you to take His love and He wants you to be able to fill the life of your family. He wants you to be able to touch The other people, your brothers and sisters in Christ, to fill the body of Christ. And then he wants to take your life, and he wants to use it to be able to fill up the lost with his love. Do you see that? This is what Paul is praying for today in our passage of Scripture. And I want you to remember it, okay? Now, you join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your Holy Spirit that has come to be able to give us a taste of who you are. You have given us your spirit as a down payment, as a guarantee of what is to come. And today, we have the joy of knowing who you are. We have the incredible privilege to be able to come to this place week in, week out, and to hear your incredible gospel preached and declared. And I pray, Father, we, as like these sponges, would absorb all this truth. We would know how important it is for us to lean in, to be able to understand the grace of God in our life so that we can be completely absorbed to all the fullness of Christ— that we may fill all and in all. So, Lord, I pray that you would impress upon that on our minds and our hearts this day. In Jesus' name, and we all said together, amen. Amen. Thank you, boys and girls. You guys go back to your seats, okay? I invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. This is a glorious passage of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul prays in this passage for us to know the fullness. And all throughout this letter, he prays for us, his people, to be filled with him. I want to pick up where Daniel left off last month when he preached through verse 14. I commend that service to you if you haven't had a chance to be able to hear Uh, Brother Daniel's sermon, go up online and be able to listen to it. It's an outstanding, excellent exposition of God's Word, brother. So I commend that to you. But today I'd like to cover verses 15 through 23 with a special focus at the end of this chapter because I believe that it is the theme of this book. It's one of the foundational reasons that we need to be intentional about church planting— Lord willing, as I have the opportunity to be able to come preach and to speak before you, I am asking God to be able to do a fresh work in our church, and the elders have been praying, and we are actually, actually asking you to pray for us as we seek the Lord's wisdom and counsel, as we seek His timing, because we faithfully believe that church planting is in our future, because we want to spread the glory of God to our community. So look with me for a moment there, just at the end, verse 22 and 23, and then we will walk back through these verses. Verses 22 and 23, and he, meaning the Father, put all things under his feet, Jesus' feet, and gave Jesus as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of Jesus who fills all in all. The idea here is that Jesus is filling all things everywhere with Himself, and He plans to do that by filling you and me. And let me remind you that the church is not this building. Nowhere in the Scripture does it talk about the building of the church. We are the church. We are the body of Christ and he wants to fill, and he wants to speak, and he wants to act, and he wants to love through you. You are the hands and the feet of Jesus. You are his voice. And we need one another. We need one another. So he prays that he would fill everything with his presence. Let me tell you, the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Jesus is in control of all things. He spoke the world into existence. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. He is all-powerful. And the Apostle Paul has just received this revelation from God. And now, filled with the Holy Spirit, he praises God with this incredible prayer. So let's get a running start to see our verses today and begin reading in verse 3 of chapter 1. Paul lifts up his voice, directed by the Holy Spirit. He writes it for our illumination through the inspiration of the Spirit. He says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And even as He chose us in Him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, in which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, having predestined according to the counsel and the purpose of of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you believed and you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, we're sealed with a promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. And He exalts the Heavenly Father. Now our focus verses for this morning, 15 to 23, after Paul praises God for this revelation of this sovereign, choosing, adopting, loving plan to unite all things in Christ, he gives Thanks to God for the faith and love of the saints, and then He petitions God that we may come to know this plan as well. He says this: "For this reason, because I have heard of your faith and the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not give, say, do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, all authority, and all power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. Praise God is right, brother. This section starts off for this reason. And he refers back to all the majestic revelation that God has just given him, 3 through 14. And it's offered here in a profound sense of worship as Paul anchors his prayer in the sovereign purposes of God to bring about redemption and adopting a people unto himself. As a plan, For the fullness of time to unite all things into the fullness of Christ. This is a glorious passage. In order for us to know and be his fullness and to saturate ourselves with the glorious gospel in order to fill others up, he says, they may know. I am praying that they may know. He is praying earnestly for the saints that he's writing to And ultimately to us, He wants us to know this hope. He wants to know the end purpose of our life. In order for us to know this, and church, we've got to get this. This has to be realized in our lifetime. This is not to be passed on. We are to accept this call of God upon our life in these times. Paul petitions the Father of glory, verse 17, to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Some of your Bibles you may see that have capitalized the S there. Some of you may have a lowercase s. It's actually not in the original language, the capitalization. It uh, was an editorial decision based of the context. I understand the capitalization. I see the reason for emphasizing that this is the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of wisdom and revelation, which Jesus is called. Other editors seek Paul, communicating that we need a spiritual wisdom, as he prays for in Colossians 1. He prays that we be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and our understanding in order to walk worthy of him, increasing in our knowledge of God. Either way, Whether it's capital or not, I think we can all say that we need to be Holy Spirit dependent in order for our eyes of our hearts to be opened to know Him. God is the one and the only one that can make that happen. The very God who said, let light shine out of darkness is the very one who shines in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ is proclaimed, When he is lifted up, he turns the light on, and people begin to see the beauties of Christ. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the message, and let me remind you of it, that we have a holy, righteous, good God. He has created us in his likeness in order to bear his image, to go forth and to show forth the world who he is. Man failed, questioning God's good intentions, and rather than living out who he created them to be, man succumbed to the liar, that they could be like God if they disobeyed God. The lie was that they already were like God, created in his likeness. And through that one act of sin, that sin spread to all mankind. That is why our world doesn't work right. That is why our lives don't work right. That is why we have pain in our bodies. Because that sin has spread to us all. And we see the effects outside of us and inside of us. The Bible is clear. It's not just that we're sick. But it says that we are dead. Dead in our trespasses and sins in which we formerly walked according to the power of this prince of the air the spirit that is still now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind anybody know next verse say it again but god. but god but god oh savor that right there being rich in mercy because of his great love for you he loved you when you were dead in the trespasses of your sins he made you alive together with Christ and now has seated you in the heavenlies mm mm Thank you, Jesus. God put Jesus forward as the propitiation for our sin. This is the answer. You can't cover your own sin with all, no matter good works that you can do. So God ends up putting forth Jesus as the full payment for our sin. The Bible says that He died on that cross, and when He died on that cross, He paid the sin penalty for every one of our sins. The Bible tells us that Jesus was buried. And when he was buried, a lot of people thought victory was done because they killed the one they thought was making all the problems. But God, on the third day, rose him from the dead, conquering sin and death and giving us the promise of eternal life. That is the good news. That is the glorious good news. And if you haven't heard that news, now I pray that you would treasure that news. And God would open the eyes of your heart to see the beauties of Christ. That is the amazing grace story that I pray that God has given you. If you're here or listening online and you don't know him, and you don't know if you're among the called, what would be my counsel to you? I would say you call out to him. If you want to know if you're called, you call out to him. The Bible says, whoever so calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you call out to him in your faith and dependence and trust. You say, I can't not live the way life that I'm living before, like I am right now. I'm tired. I'm fed up of trying to chase other saviors in my life, which ultimately don't do anything for me. They fail. Every other source of fulfillment that we run to will fail you. Amen? Jesus says, I am the one that wants to give you living water. I am the one that wants to be able to renew your soul. Oh, church, that is our message. And that is what we get to share. So those that do not know Jesus, call out to him. If you have a loved one or if you have a child that you know that does not know Jesus Christ, what do you do? Well, here's what you do. You keep bringing them and placing them under the grace of God. And you keep allowing them to hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so you lovingly usher them and you pray over them consistently. And you ask that Jesus would make himself known to them. And you speak the word. You tell the word. And you help them understand how loved they are by God. And by God's grace, God will do the work that only he can do. But you are to pray and to share the good news and you're doing it in a winsome way. That means you're to do it to be able to woo somebody to the beauties of Jesus. Nobody wants to receive judgment and condemnation. So we're to be able to say the beauties of Christ in a way that compels them to want to know the Jesus that we know. And most often, that's going to happen through your life and through your love. So they need to see it in us before they hear it. So if we're going to be his body, the fullness of his body, who desires to fill all things everywhere with his authority, he prays for us to know three things. And here's the three things. Briefly, verse 18 and 19, I encourage you to draw your attention there. First thing he prays for, if you're going to know the fullness of his plan and you're going to experience the fullness that he wants in your life to be everything that God has designed you to be, he is praying that you would know these three things. Pretty important things to be able to take some time with today. He says, number one, I pray that you will know the hope to which he has called us, the hope of our calling. Hope is defined as the confident assurance and full expectation that God will deliver on his word. When he says that I am praying that you would know the hope of his calling, he is saying, I pray that you will come to know the con- have the confident assurance and the full expectation that your calling is going to lead to something glorious. In Romans 8, Paul's writing, he says, Those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he, call- he just- called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. You got that? Amen. Those whom he called, he ends up justifying. Those who he justifies, he will glorify, okay? Oh, that should give you such joy right now, that God is not done with you yet. I was talking to a brother before the service, don't you get frustrated at your own inability to do that, which you know you want to do, and you end up doing the very things that you don't want to do. I hate that. I hate being impatient. Anybody else struggle with that? Is it just me? Wow, you guys are awesome. I struggle every day. I'm compelled. I have to pray that prayer that's in that hymn, prone to wander, Lord. You feel that in your hearts? Prone to wander, to leave the God. God, tie my heart, bind it like a fetter. We have to hold on to this hope that the work that he has begun in you will perfect it to the day of Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 1.6. I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in me will perfect it into the day of Christ Jesus. I got a song that goes along with that, if you want to hear it. I'll tell you, I'll I'll sing it later. We need to have the eyes of faith to be able to see this reality, and we need to pull that future reality into today. You follow me? You need to be able to, with eyes of faith, you need to be able to see, oh, this is something that's in my future, and I need to bring it right here into reality. You need to think about this, and you need to have a revelation like God gave John. You remember the revelation that God gave John? John saw it, and he wrote it down for us. He says, oh, then I saw a new heavens and a new earth. For the first heaven the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Do you long for that day? Neither shall there be mourning, there should not be crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. I don't know about you, but that's something we're shouting about, right? When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Absolutely. You got to pull that reality into today. You follow me? And you got to be able to think about that. That's what Paul's praying here. Oh, saints, I'm praying that you would know the reality of your calling is going to lead to your glorification. You know why you need that? Because you're going to go through times here in this earth that you're going to struggle and you're going to be able to thank, gosh, I have received the sentence of death in my life. Because of the effects of sin, There's brought great heartache in our life. And if you don't have this hope to hold on to, you'll be tempted to throw in the towel. But it's in those moments when you face those moments where you feel like you received the sentence of death. Remember what Paul says when he went to Asia? I felt like I received the sentence of death, and that was to make me rely on God who raises the dead. It's exactly what he said. God wants to build faith fabric in your life, and he allow you to go through times of suffering to be able to show you that he is dependable, that he is faithful. I look around this room and I know there's so much pain, I've walked with you through it, it hurts. To those that are grieving loss of loved ones, let your mind dwell on this. He is in fullness of joy. Mom. Fullness of joy. Jesse is in fullness of joy. God and Sarah, the precious girls in fullness of joy. Think about it. Next thing he prays for. Gosh, I guess we should probably just be done right now. I ain't gonna let you get away that easy though. Two more things he prays for. I want you to get this. This is also rich. Next thing he says, I want you to know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. It took a little time to be able to figure this one out. And this truth is so cool. He prays this because God has revealed it to him. And he says back in verse 14 that the Holy Spirit—look at verse 14. The Holy Spirit that we have been given to indwell our bodies now— has been given as a guarantee or a down payment for what we will take possession of. You follow me? So the Spirit now has been given to us as believers as a down payment of what we will inherit. Okay, so the question is, what is that inheritance? And I think the phrase, until we acquire possession of it, is the key. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's worth a look. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, turn your Bibles back to the left a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul has just been talking about this incredible treasure that we have in jars of clay. You guys remember that passage of Scripture? He talks about this jars of clay, and he talks about the weakness of our bodies, ultimately that our bodies are experiencing affliction, but that is to make us look for the eternal weight beyond glory, we are to look at the things that are unseen, not the things are seen. And then he gets to chapter 5, and he talks about this body. He calls it this tent. I call it our earth suits. This is, all, this is all it is. It's just an earth suit. It's not the real you. He says, we know that if this tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He has given you the spirit as a guarantee for the body that he has prepared for you. Now, flip over now a little bit toward the left again and go look to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says this, I tell you brothers in verse 50. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. I tell you this brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Then he says this, my brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain. He says, I want you to know this reality that you have a glorious inheritance awaiting you. And it's a glorious new resurrection body. And you're going to spend eternity in his presence. And ultimately, we're going to have a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells right here. A new heavens, a new earth. And God will be our king. I can't wait I can't wait. We've got work to do until we go to glory. So, the last thing he says is this he says, I pray that they may know the immeasurable greatness of his power. So, what is the greatness of his power? Well, he says it right here. It is the Father's power that he describes in verse 19 that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. It is that same life giving power. That has brought you and I from death to life. He is praying that we would come to know this indescribable, immeasurable power that has conquered sin and death. That's why he prays in three. I pray that you would help me to know this love, the depth, the length, the width, the height, to know this immeasurable love. That's what he's praying here. He's praying that we would come to know that, and we're praying that we would come to know that so that we would experience the same power that God exercised in raising Jesus from the dead. Think about that. He is praying that we would come to know this indescribable power in our life that has conquered sin and death and has allowed us now to walk in a newness of life. That's the victorious Christian life. Do you know it? That is living the life of abiding in Christ and bearing fruits of righteousness. And all of a sudden, the pull that sin had no longer has dominion over you. You are no longer slaves to sin. You have now been a slave to righteousness. Have you experienced that, believer? Have you experienced that power that comes over you when you look temptation in the face and you say, nope, I'm going the other way? I know that power. I've I've seen that power. Unfortunately, I've also seen the other. And temptation is so strong, it pulls at you. And you get hungry, you get tired. You get away from the fellowship of believers. And you begin to succumb. You begin to give yourself over to the sins that so easily entangle you. I know that life too. Let me tell you, I had this illustration this morning if we want to be filled with all the fullness of God, you got to make sure that your source of living water is flowing freely into your life. I want you to think with me about a hose a hose that's flowing water full strength. I already picked up that hose and I were to crimp it, right? Or to bend it. And you may just have just a little dribble coming out of your life. That's what sin does to us. It puts a kink in our hose. And it prevents us from being, living a life to his fullness. Church, look at me. Some of us, it's time. Oh, Lord, by your grace, it is time to be able to look to your Savior and to say, I want to be rid of this addiction. I want to let it go. Some of you need to fall down on your face today and you need to call out to God saying, God, take this away from me. Help me to see that your grace is sufficient for me. You may need to come talk to another brother or sister in Christ. And you say, you know what? I've got this sin struggle. You know what that does? It strengthens the faith of the believer whom you talk to. Because they were built by God and they were given grace by God to be the Jesus that you need in that moment. If you never speak the truth in love, we get diminished. I need you speaking the truth in love to me. I had a brother a few weeks ago. I said something that I didn't know was in my heart. And this dear brother confronted me. He said, brother, I think you got something in your heart and you need to let it go. And I said, yeah, I do. And I had to pray, I had to confess. And I said, God, take me to deeper levels of understanding of you, that you'd rid me of this sin this bitterness, this unforgiveness. Do you struggle with that? God is a gracious Savior, and He holds out His arms to you like that father in the prodigal son story, and He says, come, I'm ready to receive you. That's when revival happens. That's when revival happens. When an overwhelming sense of the holiness and the righteousness of God comes over a people, and those people recognize I've got to rid myself of sin because I want to live to the fullness of God. I want God to be able to use me in my family and my brothers and sisters in Christ and for the lost that are hurting in this world. We need revival, folks. Amen. And we got to pray. God, send it, bring it on. I want to see this revival because you know what? It's not just your fulfillment that's at stake. God's glory is at stake. Jesus' Christ glory is at stake. It says there in the text that the Father has seated Jesus at his right hand in the heavenly realm, far above every rule, authority, power, and dominion. All the spiritual forces of wickedness, he has put them under Jesus' feet jesus is under jesus's feet that means jesus has all authority those demonic forces the spiritual forces of wickedness that want to lash out on you you need to remind them you're under the feet of jesus and because jesus is in me i can conquer sin and death i no longer have to be entangled and now because you and me are his body We're to show forth that reigning authority through our life. You follow me? And I'm getting ready to close right here. I'm getting ready to land the plane, land the plane. You guys are probably thinking, when he's going to land that plane? Here it comes. Here it comes. Jesus says, all authority has been given unto me. Now I say and commission you. You go in my name. Make disciples of all nations baptizing in the name of the father son and holy spirit and lo i am with you always even to the end of the age i don't know about you but that's something to give my life for amen amen, amen. amen. let's pray heavenly father we are so grateful for your incredible word and father we have sat and we have soaked it in And Lord, we don't want to be guilty, as my brother Jim says, of sitting, soaking, and souring. We want to see your glory. We want to soak in your grace. And then we want to share your love. So, Lord, I pray that you would empower your people to see your glory, to be filled with your glory so that you would saturate our life, our family, our body, and the lost in our community. May you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said together, amen.